Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to take you from Acts to John, but I want to start in the book of Acts. I, I get amused with us as Christians because we get so worked up over the world. Do you guys realize, I mean, the world does something and we like step back in shock and all of like, I can't believe the world just did that. I can't believe they just came out and, and doing that. Whether it's something in a movie or something that they're saying in policies and things like that. It, it, it's just amazing. It's, I, I don't know if I'm shocked more by what the world does or shocked by more of how Christians react. You guys know what I'm saying like that? It should not surprise us that the world is changing. And if it does surprise you, you probably should get back in your Bible and realize that the Bible says these things must come to pass. God, God's not up there going, oh my goodness, what just happened? He, he is not taken back by it. He's not shocked by it. I'm telling you, as Christians, we don't need to be shocked. We need to be prepared. That's what I'm telling you. Don't be shocked. Be prepared. Because every time you see the world making a change or doing something or going in a direction that they should be, you need to step back and say, I'm here for that. That, that, that's why I'm here. I, I, I'm an ambassador. I'm, I'm represented. And you say, well, it's getting dark outside. That's okay because there's light in here. Amen. And as long as there's light, there's hope for the darkness. Because when the light runs to the darkness, there's, there's hope in the darkness. And, and that's why I, I want us to get Because if not, we're a bunch of Christians over here grumbling. And like, I can't believe it. I don't know how the world's going. Yes, the world needs Jesus. And yes, they're going to do wrong things because they're in darkness. Bible told us this. I'm here for this reason. I, I want to do a reality check this morning. Because I'm telling you, if we're obeying the Great Commission, then Christians will be producing other Christians. Disciples will be making other disciples. Because you know what a disciple does? A disciple makes other disciples. It's, it's just the very definition of a disciple. It's a, it's a follower of Jesus that makes more followers of Jesus. I could say it this way as well on a, on a bigger scale. As much as I could say that a disciple makes disciples. Let me tell you guys. A church produces churches. I, I'm not trying to be like a, a downer this morning or anything like that. Because I'm, I'm going to give you hope. And then tonight... Please come back tonight. Tonight. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're having our business meeting. It's on our calendar. We do it every year. We're going to give you a financial report, a praise report of what God is doing and how God is working and where the money goes and things like that for the first segment of the morning or the evening. And then we're going to roll into vision. And I'm going to teach and I'm going to preach and I'm going to talk and I'm going to explain and I'm going to share my heart. And I want you to be here. I want you to be here. I'm, I'm, and I know... If, if whatever your favorite show is on TV, it can wait. You can catch up on Netflix and Hulu or whatever. Be here tonight. Please be here tonight. Jump in on what we're doing. I want you to know what, what's on the vision. And we've got to have a plan. We've got to know what we're doing. We've got to know why we do what we do. Did you know that they did, and I've given you this stat before. Did you know that there was a poll in 2013? So this is old. And they did an estimate in America uh, of churches closing. The, the estimate of churches closing in America alone each year was between four and 7,000. 
Thomas Rayner, who is a researcher uh, for the Southern Baptist Convention, also jumped in and he did it. They actually did a deeper thing and they found out in the midst of that that this, those stats were kind of wrong. They, he said it's probably closer to eight to 10,000 churches that close. I, I, don't, I don't understand. And I, I think if we were to stick our head in the sand and say, well, that's a problem, or I don't think it's a problem, or I don't see it as a problem, then we're, we're, America is going to be in a bigger mess down the road if we don't step back and say, why? Let me show you from the Word of God what God's plan was. We, last time I preached, I had a short message at the end of our Man of Sunday. And it was, he said, go. He said, teach. Reach. And train. And God said this plan works. And I promise you in 2017 it still works. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 we see it again. And I'm going to show you two words that I want to do this. Because I'm casting vision even this morning of what church should be. And I know a lot of times when we come to church. We want messages that are well tell me how to have a better marriage or tell me how to overcome my problems or tell me things like that. And I, I tell you, we do those things and we should do those things. But I, I know for us as a called out body of believers, we need to get back to the nuts and bolts of things of how church works and evaluating why it's not working in America today. Here's, we see this fulfillment in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Watch this. So now they're doing what Jesus said. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added. If you got your Bible, I'd circle that word added. Added unto them about 3,000 souls. And notice what they did. This is discipleship. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. If you're going to grow, you have to have the teaching of the word of God in fellowship. What you see around you right now, what we do in life groups, what we do in classes, what we do tonight when we come here in fellowship of edifying the body of Christ. In breaking of bread, which was the, the, the communion and, and the things that they were taught to do. And in prayers, praying for one another, praying for the nation, praying for the church. That's what he said with the two. Well, I wonder if it worked. Turn to Acts chapter 6 verse 7. Watch what happens. And I want you guys to help me with this, okay? So following your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to help me. And the Word of God did what? Let's try it one more time. And the Word of God did what? It increased. So, so, So now they have these thousands of people that were saved, baptized, and trained. And they're doing the work. And you know what happened? It didn't die. It didn't shrink. It didn't deplete. It increased. The Word of God infecting and changing and and being multiplied in the lives of people increased. And the number of the disciples, what's the word? Multiplied. Multiplied. I thought we were adding. I thought, wait a minute, didn't we just read that the Lord added to the church? Here's what happens. If, If I go out and I get Dave and I leave Dave to the Lord, and we're starting this church, and now Dave and Pastor Tony both go out and we reach people, we're not just adding, I didn't just add Dave to the church, we're multiplying the church. I, it's, it's almost like God planned this out and said, hey, it doesn't have to fail. 
It was like God saying, hey, you know America? And we sit back there and go, America's in a mess. And God says, well, if the church would get back to doing the plan, they wouldn't be in a mess. If we would sink our heart and mind into what's going on, and watch, the disciples multiply. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone that makes disciples. And Jerusalem greatly, I love the word greatly, increase, multiply greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. They went from adding to multiplying. Let me tell you, let me tell you, as believers, members, followers of Jesus Christ, this is what happens when God's plan is, is involved in the body of Christ. I actually watched a news report. I saw these stats of what Thomas Rayner and everyone else said about churches closing. And I watched and they interviewed a church that was closing. I I saw this from my office when I'm doing this research and they're interviewing the church of them saying this Sunday is our last Sunday. I, I can say that times are changing. But I think we hide behind that as an excuse and I know things are difficult. I know the world is different. I know there's sin and I know all these things. But you guys realize that things were difficult for Daniel when all we, he was going to do was pray and they said, we'll throw you in the lion's den. Things were difficult for Gideon. Things were difficult for Paul and Silas when they were preaching the word of God and they threw them in stocks in the darkest part of the prison after they beat them. So yeah, I know things have been difficult. There's always going to be opposition with the gospel. But I know that the key find is right in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, in the Word of God. I believe with all my heart the Word of God. We, we, we preach the Word of God, and we hold it above culture, opinion, and tradition. Because I promise you, as long as all of us as a church is following the Word of God, we're going to see, we're going to do what God commanded in Acts and showed us in this passage. You say, why is it declining? Well, it's as simple as this. When we get away from doing what the Bible has commanded. And I think what's missing is biblical discipleship. So I want to show you guys this. And I'm going to teach you a passage probably for multiple weeks. In this same passage of scripture. John chapter 4. I know what you're already thinking. You know John John chapter 4. And I, I, I love this passage. But we're going to take this from a complete different angle. I think this will help us confront the issue. And as we do this, I want you to see the difference between the mindset of the disciples versus the mindset of Jesus. And I want you to ask yourself, do I have, as a Christian, the mindset of what the disciples had at this time? Because God was still working on them. Even the woman at the well at this point was an illustration of what God was teaching them to do. So this woman at the well and this story was... uh, Saved, if you put it in terms that we use, that's not what the Bible says, but she believed. She was transformed, she was changed, and if you guys notice up here, uh, we've got the, uh, the well. We're ready to use the, the story of Mended around the, the Samaritan woman that was changed by Jesus because she encountered Jesus at the well. So I'm not going to tell you the full story, I, I want to go to the end. I, I want you guys to see Jesus doing what we just read in Acts. Watch this. John chapter 4, verse 28. Jump to the end of the story. And the woman left her water pot after receiving Jesus, after believing, and went on her way into the city and saith to the men, come and see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is, this, is not this the Christ? 
Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this right now, I pray, Lord, that you'll do a work in our church right now. I pray that you'll help us to see why we are not making disciples. And Lord, I'm not saying that we're not making any, but Lord, there's got to be a multiplying. There's got to be adding to the church. There's got to be an army that arises for the sake of our future, the next generation. Lord, our, our nation cannot experience churches that are filled with gospel believing life changed believers and, and, and see it decline or change or, or close. So Lord, help us. Lord, help us not to act like we've got it all figured out, but Lord, help us to dig into a, the word of God that does have the answers. We pray this in your name. Amen. This was not emotionalism. This lady was changed. How many of you would say that I am not the person that I used to be? You, you're not the same person as you used to be. You're just going to say, I, I, I've been changed. God got a hold of my life. This lady was so excited that she walked into town with her water pots. When she left, she was so excited she forgot why she came. She left it all behind her. She carried the weight of sin for so long that it wore her down. It, it, it wore her out you know, you know how burdensome sin can be in your life? Can, can you imagine carrying that all that time of knowing that you had been married five times and the fact that the man you're with now is not your own husband and all this other stuff wasn't emotionalism. But I'm going to show you that revival has taken place. You say revival. Yeah, I, I want to show you revival taking place in this. Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Many. I'm talking about a woman. An evangelist. A, a woman running back into the city that most people had already written off as no good. Pro, a, a woman with issues and problems and, and, and baggage. The, the woman that most people would say she'll never be anything She'll never add up to any. She runs into the city. And let me tell you, the work of God in this woman's life, the Bible says, and many of the Samaritans that believed on him, for the saying of the woman, for the saying of the adulterous woman, for the saying of the woman that had issues in her life, which testified and told me all that I ever did. Notice, what, what look in verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. So, so the woman runs into the city and she tells all these people. And from her testimony, they get saved. And then they're like, man, we want to meet this guy. We, we want to have our life changed. So they bring all them to Jesus. And they're like, man, God's done a work in our life. We want what you've got. And Jesus said, well, take me to your city. Jesus walks into the city. And notice what happens next. Verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him for ourselves. And know that this indeed is Christ, the Savior of the world. Do you guys see something going on in this passage? This isn't even a woman. I, I'm telling you, this is the beginning of just a woman that had her eyes open and realized that Jesus was everything 
And she is doing the work of a disciple because she encountered something real in this world. When you encounter Jesus, the real deal, no one will have to twist your arm or talk you into it. You'll leave your stuff and run, tell the world of what Jesus has done when it's real. And I'm going to tell you right now that what we're reading right now and see this, it wasn't random. It was a plan of action by Jesus on this day for a specific reason. Jesus didn't stand back and see all these people saved and go, wow, that really worked out. Hey, guys, I had no idea. No, Jesus planned on being there that day. He planned on reaching that woman. He planned on her doing the work of God. He planned on those others being saved. In Acts, you can read later about different things that happened. And Samaria is mentioned a number of times about how the churches had rest and they multiplied. Yeah, I, I think there's hope for Columbus. I, ho- I, I think there's hope for America. And I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know unless we get back to what God is saying, we're never going to see it. Back up. John chapter 4, verse 3. And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. This is the beginning of the story. And he said this, he said, I must needs go through Samaria. He said, guys, I'm here on a mission. I got some place to be and I have something that I need to do. So can you guys work? I'm a visual learner and I'm going to use this illustration that I'm about to show you all day today. I'm going to start right now. And then tonight we're going to pick it back up and we're going to teach on it as church. So let's let's say, for the sake of illustration of us as a church, that we're not talking about a disciple. Maybe for the sake of illustration this morning, we're talking about making chairs. Now, I I can tell you about this chair, that it has a design. It has a purpose. It has a function. It's not just random. Every aspect of this chair has a purpose. Let me tell you, every aspect of us has a purpose. The same way that when I first started out on this series, I used the illustration of a hammer. And I said, if somebody didn't know what a hammer was, they, they would go back and they would be like, this, this is just a big chunk of metal that accomplishes nothing. But if somebody that created the hammer was to say, let me show you how powerful this is if you understand what it does... This has purpose. Do you realize that every one of us in here has purpose? But it would not have the purpose unless somebody came up and explained to you how this was created and what it does. And all of a sudden, I began to get this understanding of understanding if we were to compare the church to, let's say, a a factory that made chairs. And the church just produces disciples the same way that a factory produces chairs. And, and we were to understand that in this factory that there was tools and there was a place and there was gifts and there was instruments and there was a process and there was a plan and there was a design and there was production. And at the end of it, how many of you would think that a church was not a good church that did not produce, uh, produce disciples the same way that a chair factory would not be a very good factory if there was no chairs coming out of the factory? Does that make sense? Hey, And that was one of our deacons. 
<laughs> Honesty, I love it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Chairs don't just happen. Disciples don't just happen. And I want to get really real with you guys right now. Because I tell you, this bothers me. Bothers me, bothers me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't get to the place of understanding what this is about, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Where do future pastors come from? They should. Where, where will missionaries come from? Where, where will kids that grow up to meet a godly woman and a godly man one day come from? It should. The church is doing their job and they, and they grow. And see, I think for a lot of people, they don't understand this concept of we want chairs, we want chairs. Well, that's not how it happens. See, the way that God does this is what Jesus was doing in this time. Said it's time to make a disciple. I'd rather have a church full of these. I'd rather have teachers and deacons and people that know how to give and support the church. I'd rather have people that walk through the door of the church and they have it figured out and they were like, Where do you want me to serve? Hey, hey, you got a need in the drama? I'll do that. Oh, you, you've got a class? Oh, you, you go to the prison ministry? Oh, you've got a recovery? I can lead that. I can teach that. You know, you know what the problem is? That's not how it works. And I'm not going to say that God doesn't randomly send people our way. But I'm going to tell you right now, let me, let me show you. This is why we're lacking. I'm going to tell you what it takes today. It takes work. It takes work. And, and I... We, we get in this, and a lot of times we, we don't like that aspect of it, but it, but it does. It takes work. This is, this is not glamorous. This, this is not beautiful. This is not pretty. And, and you've got to understand that this, this is what God sees in us. This was the woman at the well. You're saying, well, he's no Matthew. And God says, yeah, I, I know he's no Matthew. You have no idea what I'm going to do with that woman at the well. You have no idea. Can, can I introduce you to our kids? Here you go. This is our kids. Let me tell you, this is not only our kids. These are future deacons. This is our future Sunday school teachers. Th- these could be the future leaders of our nation. The senators and the governors and the, the, the presidents of our nation. This, this could be them. And if we don't get what Jesus was trying to say, this is what's happening. Is we've got a lot of people that are going through the process of the church or the process of that. And they, they turn out like this. And then all of a sudden, it's not working. And I tell you what, if we're going to use this as a model of how to produce other Christians. Because you know, you know what we are? We're, we're examples Hey, mom and dad, you're an example of, of what you should be, but it's time to roll up your sleeves and do the work of understanding that it doesn't just happen. In church, if we're going to have more preachers, it's not going to happen. This is what God gives us. We get all upset. 
And then we sit there and say, wow, this generation, this generation, they're not going to add up into anything. You're absolutely right. They're not. And I think I'm frustrated with us. Because we don't understand. It's, it's, we are so in love with the worship experience that we've forgotten that it takes work. I'd rather have a church full of chairs that are sitting there lined up, look good, have it together, and do the work than rather come over here and see this. Because this takes work. Have any of you ever built something before? Have you, any of you ever sat down and realized that when you go to the nitty gritty and you get out in the world and you're going to build something, this is what God gives us. It takes work. The disciples didn't get it. Look at John 4.28 in the middle of this. Watch what happens. And the woman left her water pots and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they... Then they went out of the city and came in unto him. Here comes the disciples. Verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed and, and asked, Master, eat. He said unto them, My meat is to do, is, is that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his, his work. Oh, man, the disciples had it going on. They, they had their subs and their, their chipotle. They show up, sitting here going, come on, Jesus, come over here. Man, Lord, sit and eat and come in fellowship and Lord, all, all this. And, and Jesus is over here. Here's Jesus. What are you guys doing? Hey, I, that, that's great. Guys, I'm not dogging the church experience. I, I hope nobody in here has the idea that I'm sitting here trying to dog and say, don't worship and don't enjoy fellowship and don't enjoy God, you should. Because I said, if we don't have the connection and the care and the love and the growth and the fellowship and the accountability and and the worship, we can't do the job of a disciple. See, Jesus had a relationship with God. He was walking with the Father. He was praying. He was doing. He was following. That's where it starts. That's what we talked about. We find our identity in Christ. We find our purpose in Christ. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and mind. That is what we do. But once we do that, a disciple takes what God has given him. And he makes a disciple. And it takes work. Parenting takes work. Let me show you. I don't know if they got the work part. They were gone. In the middle of this illustration, in the middle of this story, Jesus stops and he starts teaching them. Look at verse 38. I sent you to reap that thereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. So let me explain it because I'm not giving you the whole passage. What happened was Jesus was saying, hey, you guys are going around reaping the harvest of all these people that come to know Christ. He said, that's because there was somebody named John the Baptist that went before us that was sowing the seed. And now you guys are going around, look at all these people come to know Christ. Praise God, this is awesome. You realize that it's only awesome when you reap the harvest after somebody sowed the seeds. And I tell you, our generation is going to run out of something. Because there was a generation that ran and sowed the seeds. 
And we're sitting there, man, thank God for the churches and thank God for the sacrifice and thank God for everything that we have. But eventually, if somebody doesn't come and start sowing the seeds, the next generation is going to have nothing to harvest. You know what he said in the middle of that? Labor. So Jesus showed this to us. Sometimes we want to step over our responsibility. But I'm going to tell you, the next generation of Fellowship Baptist Church will pay for it. They're going to pay for it. Because there won't be teachers walking in their classes. And there won't be people that are leading in our bus ministry. There won't be people stepping up to be deacons and leaders. The next generation of kids will have no idea what to do. Because they've got mom and dads that look like this. When they should look like this. So Jesus did it. So let me show you. Let's get into it. Let me show you. John chapter 4 verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there and Jesus therefore being wearied of his journey sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Nobody's coming at this time. The woman came in the heat of the day because they normally came in the early morning because she didn't want to deal with that. She'd been married five times and the man she was with now was not her husband. Women, would you want to hear all the giggling and everything else of the other women there about you? Jesus went out of his way. And there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto him, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. They were on lunch break. And Jesus was there doing the work. Then saith the woman unto him. Imagine this. Now, this is a visual. So Jesus sits on this well, and this woman comes up. She had issues. Any of you have issues before you got saved? (laughs) She had issues. And the woman saith unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Hey, hey, let me tell you, people like you don't have anything to do with people like me. Thank God. Jesus didn't show up to judge the woman. He showed up to help the woman. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knowest the gift of God. Give me the drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him that he would have given thee living water. You know what Jesus is doing? He's taking her that did not look anything like the reflection of him. And Jesus began just to take the word of God. Begin to change her. The woman was saying, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than the father Jacob which gave thee the well? And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Oh, Jesus said, oh, you're getting there now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hey, you came here thirsty, but lady, you're not going to leave here thirsty. 
You're not going to have to keep running back and running back and running back to try to get what you are missing. See, when you go to the well of Jesus Christ, you get filled up and you don't have to keep going back. See, she goes and she got husband number one and man, something was missing. Husband number two and something was, hey, people don't just like getting divorced. People don't just like failing in life. See, Jesus was telling her, you keep running to the world to get satisfied. And Jesus said, let me, let me tell you, I'll change you. And the woman saying there, sir, give me this water. That I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. You know what she said? I want that. There's something wrong with the church. When we have to drag people down the altars and we have to convince people to pray, that is not God working. But when you sit there and you give truth and they're like, can I have that? I want that. Because Jesus gave the truth to her. The guys are at McDonald's. The disciples went in to buy meat They're laughing it up and they're enjoying it. And Jesus is over there going, you know what? I want to see revival in this city. And I just, I I read for you what happened. That's what Jesus is doing. He said, what's your point in this? Jesus saw her value. Jesus saw her potential. I tell you, let, let me ask you. What do you see when you see the world? And they're standing up for values that we don't agree with. And they're letting their kids do things that we'd never let our kids do. And they've got problems and issues in their life and they don't see anything wrong with it. Yes, Jesus doesn't just see broken, he sees mended. Jesus steps into our life. Jesus steps into our problems and he's hands on God. It's not a matter of people not being at the crowds when Jesus was preaching. It's not a matter of those things. It's a matter of that point. Jesus rolls up his sleeve. He sits there and goes, all right, guys, let's do something here. I'm going to have a hands-on experience to get the job done. Let me tell you guys, this is no different than parenting. It's, It's the same thing as parenting. If any of you guys have ever raised a child. So let me tell you what it's like. If any of you have ever had a child. So. Uh, it's 16 years ago that God gave us Jordan, okay? Jordan was, um, Jordan was born at Mount Carmel East. Uh, uh, a, week, a week and a half ago, he had his 16th birthday. So Jordan is now uh, working a job and working on his license and all that. But let me tell you, that's not how it started. So we're in the hospital, and I held him for the first time. Do you guys remember the first time you held your child? You're scared to death of dropping him. You didn't know what fluids were going to be popping out places and all that other stuff. And, and you're holding on to him. And I remember holding Jordan, holding that child. And he looked up at me with those eyes. And he said, Daddy, when I get home, would you let me cut the grass? He said, Daddy, if it's okay with you, I want to pay rent. And I don't want mom doing the dishes anymore. I want to do that from now on because I'm part of this family. And I looked at him and said, yes, son, you can do all of that. And do you know how to change the oil? Did it work for any of you guys that way? 
The only thing he could do really well was cry and eat. And he never stopped eating. And, and let me tell you, he's 16 now, and it's still true. But anyways. So let me tell you what I did as a dad. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. We, we had to teach him that. He could lie. Nobody had to teach him that. He, he could complain about eating broccoli and he could eat all those things. But as a dad, I'm sitting there going, you know what? I've got a plan for you, bud. You're not there. I'm going to tell you, God gave me 18, 20, some of you 30 years at home. <laughs> I remember when my kids started getting older. I started bringing them out there to cut the grass and do those things. And I taught them how to make their bed. And, and, or Jenny taught them. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jenny taught them how to make. <laughs> and you get to one side and they're to the other. And you're like, well, pull that side a little tighter and things like that. That looks good. Now put the pillows on. And they're in there brushing their teeth. And you have to sit there and say, all right, get the tops and get the bottoms and things. Did you know why you have to teach them that? Because they don't know that. And then I get home and changing the brakes on the car and I said boys why don't you guys come outside for a little let me show you let me show you how you 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 do this because one day God's going to bless you guys with a family and and as a family you're going to have you're going to need to do this stuff yourself and I and do it and I said all right you, you did that wrong that's okay get them to cut the grass if, do you remember the first time your kids ever cut the grass and there's those you know what I'm saying it's like artwork in the yard it's just it's beautiful, you know, it's, it's all over the place. But you know what? The second time that they did that, because I went out there and said, all right, guys, this is what you do, and I want you to go back through there. And these spots that are high right there, we're going to go back doing that. Because the thing is, one day you're going to have your own house and your own yard, and you need to know what to do. And one day, he's going to come down an aisle, and he's going to stand down here, and he's going to pledge his life to a girl that he falls in love with. And I need him to be ready. I need to know, he needs to know his purpose. He needs to know what he was created to be. He needs to know that. And I'll tell you what, this does not just happen. It doesn't happen with your kids and it doesn't happen in the church and it doesn't happen with those that we're leading. It doesn't happen. It takes work. It not only takes work. Notice what happens, verse 15. You guys ready for this? I'm going to tell you, this is why we don't see, this is, this is why churches are closing. This is why we have problems. This is why we have statistics. This is why we have failed marriages. This is why... We have people that want to lead in church and they're not ready, they're not prepared, they're not trained, they're not edified. And I tell you, if this is the way your kids are getting married, be ready for a divorce. Because they don't know how to make it work and they don't know how to, how to handle church. They don't know that. And no offense, it's because if they do get married like this, it's because uh, you skip the work. What does it take? It, it takes work. 
here's the second thing. It gets messy. Verse 15. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast is not thy husband. And thou sayest well, uh, truly. This conversation just got really awkward. Oh my. You know what we do? We, we see issues in people's lives. We're willing to do the work until it gets messy. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, welcome to 2017, where people have issues. And it's just not 2017. I can take you all the way back to John chapter 4, verse 18. People had issues. And if we're nervous about the issues that are in their life that are going to prohibit them from being in the image of God... We will never see people come into the image of God if we're willing to ignore the issues. Does that make sense? Well, let me tell you about issues today. There's issues of divorce, and there's issues of abortion, and there's issues of addiction, and there's issues of fornication. There's issues of gender identity, and there's issues of these things. They're just people... Well, let me tell you, Jesus didn't turn his back on those people and he did not turn his back on those issues. You ready to get real in here? How many are you really ready to step into the issues of people? How many of you are willing and ready to step into the mess of people's lives? Because I tell you, as long as we're sitting there going, man, we run up to all the people that are like this going, man, you could sing in the choir and man, I'd love to use you in my department and man... And then we come over here and here's Jesus saying, oh man, I know you have that problem and that past is not good. Man, I'll tell you what, do you see what I see? Hey guys, you, do you see this over here? Because I'll tell you, when Jesus got a hold of her, her whole, she changed the city. And a lot of people over here, they're just complaining about their worship experience. I didn't like that song. Uh, what, what, what are he doing up there? And, I, I just, and we're all critical about this. And Jesus is saying, I don't have time for that. I'm here to change the world. I'll tell you, we, we avoid people with issues. Let me tell you guys right now, nobody in this room is here without issues. The only thing that we have found out is how to hide it more than other people. And I realize that the, the people that walk through the door looking like Ken and Barbie have as many issues as the other people that walk through the door. Right, right. They've got struggles and they've got hurts. And it might be one of those situations where they look good at church and they go home and they've got problems and anger and greed and lust and they might hide it. But I tell you, Jesus is willing to get his hands on it and say, let's fix it because I've got a plan for you. And you can't run into the city and tell them everything that Jesus did if you still have the issues. Because what God does with our issues is he transforms us into the image of him where people stand there and say, wow, you're not the man you used to be. You're not the woman you used to be. 
Because God doesn't avoid our issues. And by the way, God did not ignore it. He confronted it. And let me tell you, we can help a lot of people when we take the issues that people have and we speak the truth in love. Regardless of how much you don't like their issues. Because I'm here to tell you, we need to put a big sign in front of our church and open up the doors and have the greeters ready to say, welcome those with issues because God has a place and a plan for you. If we're ready. And if not, we're going to stand over there being one of those churches going, who is she? Oh my goodness. I can't believe they're going to let her do, I can't believe he's in here. I can't believe, you know, just, and we're so critical. And it's because God's already saved you and God's already helped you. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian home that God spared you of some of that. And God have mercy on our souls because I tell you, when we're not willing to do what Jesus did, then we're not like Jesus. I wonder if we're more like the disciples than Jesus. John 14 verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled. And he talked with the woman. They, they walk in here. Here comes all these guys. They walk in here and, whoo! What's he doing with her? She'll never be like us. And Jesus was like, you have no idea. She's going to outdo you boys. She's got a testimony. She's got a past. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help her clean that up, and she's going to use her past, because when they went into the city, guys, did you notice who she went in to the city and all the men? It says that in the Bible. It says, and all the men marveled and, and were surprised that they, of the testimony of the woman. God will use your testimony to save those that see the difference in your life. Jesus did not condone her sin. He did not criticize her sin. He did not reject her. He was there to help her. Here's the last thing. It takes work, it gets messy, and it requires self-sacrifice. Can I ask you guys how Jesus even got to the well and got to that woman? Can I ask you how he even got there? Well, they're traveling. And while they're traveling, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And they're like, Lord, that is way out of the way. You realize that in order for us to do this, it's going to cost you. Hey, teachers, if you're going to go into a class with some of our bus kids and our church kids and they wake up because they got a lacked an hour of sleep and everybody else is going to the classroom with donuts and they're sitting in there hearing the word of God and you're going down to the basement with your lessons in your hand and you walk into a room where all the kids start poking at each other and crying and I've got to go potty and all, all the other stuff that happens. Can I say thank you for being willing to step in there and give up yourself for the sake of them? Jesus could have been like, man, I'm tired too, guys. Where are you going to lunch? Oh, we're going to the Samaria. They have this little gyro shop and they, 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 they do the, the bread just perfect and all this. And he says, no, I'm going to stay here and do the will of my father. Thank God he did. But I'm here to tell you guys, if we're going to dare make a difference, it's going to cost us. Let me tell you, when people come into the church and they've got issues because they just got out of jail, you go, oh, yeah, that's, this is where they need to go next. Okay, just so you know, this is where they need to go next. 
and they get out of recovery, do you, do you know where they need to go next? Right here. All right. I, I, I see empty spots. Let's get them here. Amen. And you find out that they just had a, a blow up an affair and they did, did, did just say, what, what do we do with them? Oh, I've got a spot for them right there. It's what we do with them. But let me tell you what happens when people are in recovery or something like that. They're going to be like, I'd like to come to church, but I'll be honest, I lost my license. I'll pick you up. I'll go get you. I must need to go through your neighborhood on the way to church. I want this. I want this. And I'm here to tell you guys... Jesus came for this. I'm not much, but can I tell you what I looked like a few years ago? Can I tell you where I came from? Can I tell you that I had issues and I still have issues? And if you're being honest this morning, so do you. But I met a savior that went out of his way to love me in the middle of my issues. And today, there's some of you that are here that have issues. And God loves you. God's crazy about you. God seeks you in the middle of your issues. And I'm sure that woman thought, man, God might save me. But that's just probably as far as it's going to go. Little did she know that she was going to be the one to bring revival to Samaria. She brought Jesus to Samaria. So I don't care how many times you've been married. I don't care what your past, your addictions, your arrest record. I'm not asking if you've been down to the abortion clinic. Or what you're hiding right now. I just want you to meet Jesus. And I want you to experience what Jesus wants to do in your life. Some of you came in here today like this. And I don't know all your issues, but Jesus does. And I want you to know him. That woman did not join a church. That woman did not run off and get baptized. That woman did not sit there and say, here's my offering. That woman believed on the name of Jesus Christ. And today, if you want to be changed in your life and you want peace and satisfaction and and a change, you must believe on the name of Jesus. He came. He lived. He took the sin of that woman. You say, you can't just ignore sin. Oh, let me tell you, Jesus didn't just ignore her. He took her sin. And on the cross, he crucified her sin. And he left it in the grave and he came out victorious. And that's why we live victorious today because I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.